Welcome to the Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly podcast. I want us to turn to Luke 22, verse 14 to 20. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The Greek says, I have desired with desire. It's the strongest form that the language can give it. I have desired with desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. That kingdom of God is will come. It could be the Messianic kingdom. Many people don't believe in a thousand years where Jesus will reign on the earth after the second coming. But it, that is when the kingdom of God will come. It will come for that thousand years and then the devil will be destroyed and then from, <laughs> there will come a new heaven and a new earth. But from the day that the enemy is thrown in hell, for which it has been prepared for even in his angels, the kingdom of God will come and has come on the earth. And there will be just God alone who will reign. So the Lord says, this is what I'm longing for. Until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God and he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until it, the kingdom of God comes. So, this could all also speak of the marriage supper of the Lamb, which will not transpire on earth or on the kingdom, the new kingdom on earth, but it will transpire in heaven, where he will have a consummation meal with his bride, which are you and I, if we believe in the redemption in his blood. So, the Lord is not taking. Even on the cross, he did not take the wine. Even though he was thirsty, he did not take the wine, wine because he said, no, I will celebrate it when there's reason to celebrate. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after he had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. If we think of the prophecies of the Bible, the reason the Bible is like no other book in the world is because up to two-thirds of the Word of God is about prophecy. And the theologians say 80% of all those prophecies have already been fulfilled so that between us and rapture, and those who believe in the rapture, we can discuss that if you would like. But between that and the rapture, there's no other prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. So we are li living like you all know at the brink of the Lord's coming. We know that we've li been living in the last days for the last 2,000 years. So we are 2,000 years closer. And when we think of prophecy, don't only think of thus saith the Lord. Don't only think of word prophecy, but there are emblems, there are symbols pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ as a, as a prophecy. And I want you to turn to one of those now. And that is in Exodus 12, verse 3 to 15. That is when the, the Lord God instituted the Passover. 
Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house. A lamb for a household. So it's important to you know that this was the month of Abib or Aviv, as they say. It is changed. They changed the name to the, the, the tenth of Nisan. Nisan and God said then that month, Nisan, should be the first month of the year. And you notice it will say, take a lamb into your house. Do you know what happened in the year AD 30 uh, on the 10th of Nisan? A lamb was coming into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. That was when the nation of Israel should have remembered that the lamb is coming. Because Zechariah 9.9 said, your king is coming, behold, daughter of, of Zion, your, your, your king is coming, riding into your gates on the donkey. So on the 10th, you see the symbolism. Nothing happens in this book unless God has a plan and a purpose for this. So on the 10th of Nisan, you take this lamb into your house and we will see what, what kind of a lamb it is. And according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. It's a male lamb. Remember what John the Baptist said at the river when he saw Jesus? There's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So you, t you make it, um, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. When the Lord Jesus came into Jerusalem, he went straight to the temple. And in that last week, he was examined. The reason why the Israelites had to take the lamb on the 10th of Nisan for four days it was to be inspected for any spot or blemish. When the Lamb of God rode into Jerusalem, he was examined by the Sanhedrin. And they couldn't find fault with him until they adjured him by the name of God. Are you the Son of God? And when he answered in the positive, as he made a true confession, he was, he was accused of blasphemy. So he was, that was a, a sham trial. He appeared before Pontius Pilate who washed his hands and said, I find no blame in thee, I find no fault in this. And he was sent to King Herod and King Herod, he didn't answer King Herod a word. So he, the lamb was examined by three groups of people, Gentile and, and, and Jew, and found innocent, the spotless lamb of God. We see the prophecy right here of what is to happen. Uh, 2,000 or 4,000 years later. And, um, and they killed him at twilight. Twilight, what, what, what the word means is in between evenings. And, and if you read Josephus, which is a, a historian, a Jewish historian, he said it became 3 o'clock in the afternoon. In between evenings, because remember, a Jewish day started at 6 p.m. So in between the evenings could be anything from noon till 6 p.m. But eventually it turned down to become 3 o'clock. That was what the, the habit was, to kill the lamb at 3 o'clock. When did the Lord die? Three, how, long was the, how long was the darkness from noon till the sixth hour? 3 hours, 3, 3 p.m. So the whole assembly, so then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the, top, top, the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they may eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. 
do not eat any of it raw or boiled or water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. If you take a corpse, if I die today and they cremate me, and what is left is carbon. You cannot break down flesh to more solid or more basic building blocks. It's carbon. So you can put that carbon in an urn for thousands of years, and if you open it, it will still be the same. The reason why they had to burn what is ever left over of the lamb, because God will not allow the, the, Jesus to rot in the grave. There was no... Uh, decaying happening in the, in, in, the, in the grave because the Lord raised him up on the third day. So that's why, and you will also notice in, in Numbers 9, 12, it, the, the Bible says, not one bone of him shall be broken. The significance of that is what happens with the thieves on the cross. They broke their bones. Why? Because when you are crucified like this, you can breathe in, but you can't exhale. Your chest muscles are too tight. You have to lift yourself up. And I want you to remind you that the Lord's feet, was, you don't, they were not crucified like they normally see in the Roman Catholic crucifixes. But from the side. So the two feet were, the two feet were nailed through the calcani, right into that big beam of the post. So, so you could use that as a pivot. Can you imagine the pain? So the reason why uh, God said, not one bone of him shall be broken. It's because Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. Jesus was not killed by anyone. He laid down his life. He laid down his life for you and me willingly. He says, no one takes it away from me. That I lay down my life and I pick up my life again because this command I've received from my Father. The fact that the, the, the way the crucifixionists happened and the timing was, was perfectly ordained by God Himself. And you and me, you and me, that's our sin that was pinned to the cross. And all you and I need to do is just believe. And for you, I just want to ask, for you, are you that feel slightly alienated? Or you feel disappointed in your church in your, in your Christian walk. Maybe of a great disappointment. Something that you thought should not have happened to you. Or an accident or a loss. Could be a relationship, could be a business, could be anything. I want you to say, take a look at eternity. I want you to take a look at the temporary life that we live and ask you, what does that matter in the grand scheme of things? When God has set you free to be a son and a daughter of the living God forever. Where you can live in His presence. Where He can woo you. The Bible says in Ephesians, He has, he has saved us. To demonstrate to us the wealth of His kindness, of His grace for millennia. So, you and I were not saved by accident. I often thought that, you know, it's like... God does like a blanket and He threw, threw it over people and the people that stuck to the blanket, He saved. The rest that scattered, they, they got away. I didn't realize that the God of the Bible who said, Moses, Moses, don't come near. Take the, your shoes off your feet because the, the place you understand is holy ground. Or Abraham. God called Abraham. Abraham was a, uh, was a Chaldean. He was an Iraqi. 
who served, the, his father made idols. God came to him and said, Abraham, take your stuff, leave your father's house, leave your country, leave your kindred, and go to a land that I will show you. God has come to you who have a confession to make. If you believe that the Lord Jesus has saved you, then you have been called in the same fashion. Because the God, the God of the Bible is not a God of two halves. We don't have a God of the Old Testament that's very cruel and punish everybody. And then we have suddenly we have the New Testament as if the Lord Jesus had to placate the Father and say, please don't be so cruel, I will give myself in the case. No, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. When God called Abraham, He made with him a covenant of grace. Because I'm not sure if you remember, when, when, when God called Abraham, He said to him, I will give you a land. I will make you a great nation. And I will, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And then through your seed, all nations will be blessed. And when he believed, Abraham believed, and that was counted to him as righteousness. You see, we are saved by grace through faith. That's exactly what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says. You have been, by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Not by works that no one shall boast. So Abraham had a covenant of grace because God made a promise and he believed. And the great thing about Abraham is... At some stage he said, Lord, how will I know? How will I know I, have, I will be a father of a multitude? Because he was 75 at that time. And he'd never had a child of his own because his wife was barren. And God says to him, look up in the sky and see. And when he looked up in the sky, he saw multitude. He couldn't count. God said, count them. <laughs> he could still be counting today. Apparently there's two trillion galaxies, each with two trillion stars. I can't even think that far. So... So he had something to look on every time he goes outside his tent. And the other thing that he did, when God said, I will give you, I will give you, a, I will give you a family, he gave, him a, he gave him the sign of the covenant that God made. God put him to sleep when he made that covenant. Normally if a covenant happens, they take carcasses, they cut it in half, and, and the party, the junior partner, has to walk through the carcasses. And then that covenant says, if you do not fulfill your side of the covenant, that's what will happen to you. But when it was when God said in His grace, I will make a covenant with Abraham, what did He do? He put him to sleep. Can you imagine that grace? God said, and what went through the carcasses was the smoking fire pot and the torching flame, which is the sign of the presence of God. That is the covenant of grace. And here we come to the Lord Jesus and He says, in the summertime, He says, I will make a new covenant. It's not a new covenant. It's just an a revamp of the old covenant. It's the covenant of grace. Because who died on the cross? Him alone. He was forsaken by everyone. He was, he was de rejected by his own people for whom he came. He was deserted by three year and a half years of disciples that should have known better. And then in the end he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He drank the cup, which he said in Gethsemane, If it's possible. He was not concerned about the, 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 the physical pain, although it's, it's, it boggles the mind that he, that he could handle that. He was concerned that he would become sin. 1 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Him who knew no sin, God made sin. 
So the great thing about the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus could do what the blood of animals couldn't do. The blood of animals could only cover sin. Jesus could take away sin. So if you are walking around with any sin in the past or any accusation or anything I should have, I could have done better, it is for you to know that the sin has been dematerialized, if there's such a word. It can be blown away. There is no record of that. So why do you hang on of the failures of the past? Because he made him sin. And that was, he was, that was the thing that was bitter to him because he is a sinless creature. He is a being above all we know. And he knew he would be forsaken for the first time in his life. The father said, I turn my face away because I cannot look upon sin. And he did that because of his love for us. So, 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 25, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink. And in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's why I, I selected, I asked our, our local break, uh, bakery, Frank Ford Bakery. You, I, I say, you have a list we can sign up for next delivery. <laughs> to say, to make one loaf. Because the one loaf, Lord, the Lord Jesus was symbolically broken so I sense that the desire of the Holy Spirit in this day is for you and me to really take this personally if you can imagine being in the upper room and the Lord Jesus would come to you and each one of you and say take off your shoes I want to wash your feet how would you feel would you cringe? Would you say like Peter, no, 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 it's a bit too, how can you wash my feet? And what did the Lord say? If you do not allow my, me to wash your feet, you have no part in me. Are we part of him? What did we read in Ephesians? We are his body. We are each other's members. The Lord in this morning, through the emblems, want to minister to each one of us. If there's an area in your life where you are unwhole, where you are saddened about, or where you think the enemy has got legal ground in your life, is built, and you've built up a, a, a stronghold, and a, a thought that you cannot get away from. The Lord wants to minister through the power of... of not, that, not that we have, uh, like the... Some people say, we don't call 
the emblems. We call, don't call that a sacrament. We call that an ordinance. Now, it's big talk, but it, it, it means it's, it's a commandment. That's an ordinance. But when it's a sacrament, people believe that you get a special grace when you use uh, these things, the emblems. The only grace we receive from what we use here, nothing happens like transubstantiation that we, they believe in the Roman Catholic Church, and that's why the members cannot use the blood, because they're concerned the blood will be spilt of the Lord Jesus Christ. They think that these emblems really become that, because Jesus says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. But that is a typical Hebraic expression. They use metaphors. So when we partake, yes, we eat his we eat his bread, we eat the bread and we drink the wine. But it doesn't magically become the body and the blood of Jesus. It symbolizes that. So, the same way you and I can get physically nourished from those emblems, the same way the Lord will nourish us by abiding in, as we abide in him and he abides in us. If you read Roman, uh, John 14, and 15. It's all about abiding in Him and He abiding in us. Remember the vine and the branches. So we commemorate Him today. We have, as we look at the, as, as we look at the meaning of the Lord's Supper, we want to consider it is a feast of remembrance. So what I want you to know is, if you think back of the time when, when you met the Lord, what He meant to you. What happened in your life. Can you say for certain that I believe that the Lord has died on the cross for my sin? That I consider myself a sinner without any hope, lost forever, unless the Lord will have grace on me to save me. Then we think of it is also a proclamation. He says when we, when we take part of His table, we proclaim His death until he comes again. That is really the hope that you and I have. So not only when we take part of the, of the bread and the wine, do we recognize that we are his body, as we read in Ephesians. He's the head. We are the body. He is sustaining us. Remember, the, the, the Ephesians also show us that he is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And he is nourishing and cherishing the bride. And he is doing it. So do not think that the emblems only look back at the cross. The Lord Jesus is currently at the right hand of the Father interceding for His bride. He is the high priest. Remember, the high priest had the, call it amulets, up here, up here and over his chest, representing the twelve tribes of, of Israel. So every time He comes into the presence in the Holy of Holies, He's, he's bearing them up before God. He's carrying them over His heart. The Lord Jesus is bearing you up on His shoulders. He's carrying you over His heart at the right hand of the Father. So that means these emblems is not historical. It is very current. It is very... Uh, it supplies in our every need. But the hope that we have, it's like when the, the Passover Seder, the last cup that the Jews have, the fourth cup, is the cup of restoration. That's the cup that the Lord Jesus did not take. When He, when he took the cup and He gave it to them, to, to His disciples to drink, it was the cup of redemption. In the same way that God has redeemed the, the, the Israelites. And I don't have time to go to Ezekiel. Have you ever considered why 
with nine plagues would fall on Egypt, but the tenth plague would also fall on Israel. Why? Why did God not make that distinction and let all the plagues and the death of the firstborn fall on the Egyptians, but not on the Israelites? I think the answer is in Romans 3, uh, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you read Ezekiel, you will see why God has said, God said to Moses or to Ezekiel, I have told the people in e when they were in Egypt, stop going, stop serving idols. Because what they did, they served the idols of Egypt. And remember the tenth plagues were judgment by God on the idols of Egypt. And Pharaoh was another idol, was another God in their eyes. So, they were all guilty of idolatry. And if there's anything that upsets God, it is idolatry. As when we think of anything more valuable in our lives than Him. Because He said He's a jealous God. So you can imagine, if you have given your son on the cross for, 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 to save precious people, and they have nothing to do with it, they just think it's a, it's a, a fire escape. But there is no real love, there is no real commitment from them to Him. He'd say, no, this plague will fall on all of you. That's why they needed the Lamb. They needed the Lamb. And that Passover, that Passover, God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. So when the Lord Jesus Christ died and, and, he, and he took the cup, He gave them the cup of redemption. That is from the slavery of Egypt. He has taken them out of slavery. So, you and I have been set free from the slavery of sin. No more do I have to sin because I cannot help myself. Now I can sin by choice. Because I have been regenerated. I have received new life. I have received atomic power from the Holy Spirit to resist. And the Bible says, have you, have you resisted to the end of, uh, of, of letting blood? So, Jesus, when He shared the cup, he did not pick up the last cup. The last cup is the cup of restoration. When he said, I will not partake again with his disciples until in the kingdom of God. So he is postponing that celebration. So my... I want to conclude. I, I just want to ask if any of you today feel like an outsider. You might have the testimony of the Lord, but it might feel a long way in the past. Or if you, if you, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, if you hang on to unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness, if you hang on to hurtful words you've heard, if you hang on to failure in your life, whether it's financial, whether it's personal, whether it's relational, if you are a, being accused every morning, you wake up and you, and you wait for that, feel, that, that, that uh, same thought that has become like an old friend of yours. I have good news for you. When you remember what has happened on the cross, then you know when the Son has set you free, you shall be free indeed. And I think it's time for you today to forever leave the prison because you yourself are imprisoning you. Because not only did He destroy Him who had power over death by dying on the cross, He actually came to bring good news 
to the poor and to set the captives free and to deliver those from darkness and to open blind eyes. So, before you partake, confess your sin. Make sure that your relationship with the Lord is on track because He is here today to serve you. This, God cannot do anything more to explain to you the love He has. And if you feel dead inside, you can always ask for help. Often in my life I say, Lord, I, I don't have any desire. I would look at people that carry on in front like I do now and think, I don't have that. Wonder where does he have a Duracell battery in somewhere? This God wants to revive us. There's a psalm that says, please revive us, O Lord. Revive us again by your Spirit. That's why the Spirit is with us. He's our helper. Don't condemn yourself. Remember, I wanted to read Romans 8. Let me just do it. Romans 8.30 It's so beautiful. There are some of you that live under a cloud of condemnation, and you can't get away from that. And one of the reasons is you have to forgive yourself. And you have the reason for that. If you're still imprisoned, you are not believing either the love of God for you as an individual or the power of God. And then it's the time today to say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me that I think there are insurmountable issues that I face that you cannot help with or do not want to help. Let me find Romans 8. We all know it so well. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, I took, I took a day to study all what that means. And I can give you the summary. It means all. Nothing is excluded. You see, sometimes we read the word and it, it just goes in here and out here. Because we've heard it too many times. Let it be changed today. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who? Who? The greatest accuser of the brethren has been kicked out of heaven because of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, because He crushed His head. Who can accuse us? Family? Friends? Neighbors? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We should say hallelujah. hallelujah. And we should say, believe it. Say Lord help me to believe it. Forgive my unbelief. Help my unbelief. God listens to prayers like that. One thing I want to share with you that struck me. When God promised Abraham 
He said, you, Eliezer, your, 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 your servant in your house will not inherit. He will not, through him will not be the promise, promised, or, I, or through Ishmael, but the son from your own loins. And then you know what happened on Moriah. God said to him, offer your son. If you and I are hanging on to a dream that we have, and we want only one answer from God, and that is to fulfill my dream, you're in trouble. Because God is sovereign. And Abraham, when he realized God is asking this through whom he has promised my family, he asked me to sacrifice him. Do you know what he saw? He saw a faithful God that had the power to do what he promised him initially to do. The God who said, look up in the sky and see all the stars. So shall your offspring be. And he said, hope against hope. He believed. Who did he believe? He believed God's promise. But in his mind, he saw Isaac died. And he was happy with that. There was a long time in my life that I had a certain dream and I would not budge on that dream. I just wanted God to fulfill that dream and to prove to me he loves me that way. That is, no, that is idolatry. God's, God's power, God's love is like the ocean. His grace is like the ocean and He wants you to see that dream. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. Open your hands. And let go. And you will be free. Because you know one thing. God is not a liar. And God is good. My brother has broken the bread. The one loaf is broken into pieces. We are a small body. We are part of a bigger body. But I want you to know. I've asked him. Go please sir. I've asked my brother to, to give us good chunks of bread so that you can chew a while. And while you are chewing, I want you to review your life. And I want you to deal with things in your life that you know are hindering God. It's a low calorie bread, I think. And so we can just hang on. So by the way, while he's distributing, I want you to realize when, when it was uh, Passover, God said to the nation, the Israelites, no one, no one can partake of the Passover unless he's been circumcised. The circumcision, the circumcision, the way I read the Bible, is, so, so Paul, and, Paul says somewhere uh, in Corinthians that the seal... I'm not sure where, sorry. That the, the Abraham believed God and that was counted to him as righteousness and then the circumcision was a sign of the righteousness he had by faith. And if we look at the New Testament, if we can say what is the sign that you and I have to say that we are part of the covenant people of God, it is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We have been sealed for the day of redemption. I want you to know that the God who said to, 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 to Israelites, I will take them out and I will bring them into the promised land, uh, He fulfilled His promise. God says, I have saved you from, the, uh, from a life of slavery to sin and He will take us to the promised land. And the same way He fulfilled it to Israelites, the same way He will fulfill it to us as His people. And soon and very soon, we will be there. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you or given to you. So let us take this 
and let us remember him. And in your mind's eye, see him sitting next to you, putting his arm around you and say, this is for you. Remember not only what I've done, but remember me. I have a personal relationship with you. I care about you. I spilled my blood for you. Gave you my... And it's not by accident. It's by appointment. We're not a blanket. Come to the God by through a blanket, but personally. One by one. Let us remember the precious blood of the Lamb that washed away all our sin. Made us new. And the, the, the Jews, when they drink the last cup, they all stand around the table. That is in, with the Passover cider. Cider, cedar. And they open the door. Because they invite Elijah. Because Malachi, Malachi says Elijah will come and he will prepare the way of the Lord. So the sooner Elijah come, and by the way, they lay a, a, a place for him at the table too. And they say, the Chaim, next year in Jerusalem. So we can say, next time around the marriage supper of the Lamb. Some of you say, not so soon. <laughs> but let us, let us drink together. And, and think of the great Savior we have. Thank you, and God bless.